This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Does it really matter where you put your decoys? Well, in today's episode, we'll be going over Elliot's and my opinions and strategies for how we set up our decoys in different scenarios. But first, for a quick word from our partners, and we'll get right into it. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, but they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, you can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com and did I mention if you're not in the area they also do shipping so that's great be sure to check them out guys we'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes and fully collapsible floater decoys we'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me tonight, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing, Elliot? I'm doing good. Still got quite a few hunts left here in the state, but things are kind of winding down. But I'm I'm good. I'm. We, I feel like we haven't done a podcast for a long time. <laughs> it's just all the all the time off work with the holidays, which, yeah. re, which reminds me, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas yeah. to all the viewers, listeners as well. Um, you have a good Christmas. Yeah, it was good. I got I was off work starting Friday, so I had Friday off. And then, you know, Christmas Eve, went to my parents' house, Christmas Day, went to the wife's parents' house. It was a good Christmas. It was, it was, it was good. And I'm, I'm, I don't have to report back to work till the fourth. So 
I still have, I think, a couple hunts in me left in between now and then. So nice. I think it's all good. Nice. Yeah, I took I took some time off around the holidays as well to you know spend with family and also get on the ducks. But uh, only one of those two is really happening. So, <laughs> and so you just can't find it at all. You just can't find it any. Um. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, there's there's a few, but we'll leave we'll leave the 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 greater details to the hunt update episode. But let's just say it's not it's not panning out to be a a phenomenal year. So, anyways, guys, the topic for today is decoy spreads. Um, and we've gone over this before, but you know, kind of looking in this year in review, uh, we're gonna go over a lot of the the different things you'll that we could suggest for um, you know what we've saw in our own experience for decoy spreads. And hang in there, because this is going to be more than just put out a J, put out a U. We're going to try to go really in-depth with this, hit a lot of different topics to think about, um, some controversial issues that people don't always agree about. So don't turn the dial. This is not a Decoy Spreads 101 podcast. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, we'll probably disagree on some stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, first op- first topic we're going to touch on is decoy spread size. Well, I, I personally, if it's above eight-mile-an-hour wind, I like big. I, I can't – when I hear these guys saying, well, I've been going six decoys lately, it would drive me nuts to only have six decoys out. And I, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy that you're going to do better with three or four to five to six decoys than with more if you can fool them that the that the decoys are real i just don't believe that that's going to be better well on a windy day on a windy day so the only time i disagree with that like i i've actually i enjoy using bigger spreads i think it's more successful um but the time where i don't think it matters and maybe it will give you a slight advantage are on days where you're you're literally on the X, um, because I'm in my experience the land in the decoys. If you're in the X, um, and if you have a bigger spread, you're going to end up having the possibility of having longer shots if they don't land right in the kill zone, but they're landing the decoys further out to the left or right, which is a minor thing because if you're right on the X, you're still gonna um, limit out and you're still gonna crush them. But if you have that smaller you know spread of you know six or so. In the past, where I've been on the X with a small spread, um, they're landing right there, right on the decoys. Yeah. My, my, my experience is when you have even just one spinner and you set your decoys up right, you're generally going to be able to get them to land right there. And if not, if they don't, if they're landing, except the, the exception being big, water, big bodies of water where they like to land out farther than swim in, um, you know, you can move the decoys around to kind of place them. I think the argument that I keep hearing is that, well, ducks are so used to seeing all these decoy spreads and they're not used to seeing just half a dozen. And so I just don't know how that logic may, I feel like a lot of times people are giving, I mean, their brains are not very big. Ducks brains are not very big. And I feel like a lot of times people are giving them way more compre- comprehension ability than what I believe that they have. I don't know. Maybe you just have uh, dumb ducks in Kansas. 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen some pretty that they're wary. They're wary. They're not intelligent. They're they're not going to be like, hmm. I've been seeing a lot of spreads with three dozen ducks. Ooh, there's one six, so that must not be a hunter there. <laughs> I mean, I just don't buy. If you fool them with good decoys, good calling, good hide, they're not going to know it's not real ducks, whether it's five dozen, three dozen, two dozen, six dozen. If you do everything right, they're not going to know it's not real. Mm -hmm. So to say that, well, just because it's three dozen, you're going to have like a duck is going to be um, more likely to land on half a dozen than four dozen. Well, here tends to me why that's false is because when ducks see a lot of other ducks, that's generally, oh, there's good food there. That That's kind of the trigger, right? Is that, oh, lots of birds means safety and means um, a good food supply, a good food source. That's kind of genetically programmed into, into them so when you're just going to put out a half a dozen that, man i just can i just don't i don't buy it i just don't buy that that's more successful when when you have proper wind i think with no wind it's a every, totally different situation mm. so what do you do in no wind then well we've been trying to go small small i mean no wind sucks and um We've our, our theory has been since last year to try to go small, and we're talking a dozen, dozen, a half, two dozen decoys is, would be small, and try to get as much of that dozen or two dozen with motion on it. So typically, which means a jerk rig with seven ducks on the jerk rig, a <clears throat> dab, not a dabbler, but a um, what's it called? Those little rippler, a, little, a rippler, and then a spinner. So that you've got the majority of that dozen to two dozen decoys actually moving, um, and and stay away from the big spreads. Mm. That's what we've been trying. But no wind is just brutal. Yeah. Although we shot limits, um, two out of the last three limits were in no wind days. Yeah, when you're on the X, not a lot of things matter. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, today we had more of a wind, a wind and a rain. And we were finishing birds. The first, the first two, we've limited three hunts in a row, and the first two days were completely calm. And there was tons of birds, but finishing them was so difficult. I mean, it took me and Aiden um, until noon for just the two of us to limit. The day before, it took four of us till noon to limit. But there was lots and lots of ducks. But the percentage of which we were landing was very small. And then today. We had three guys, a good 10, 12 mile an hour wind and rain. And I mean, we finished in 50 minutes and they were just landing. Just it was so much easier to land them hmm. than it had been. <clears throat> and to me, that's just it's just wind. Yeah. Yeah. Wind's a big difference. Yeah. That's anymore. That's like that's if, if I if there's anything that I can't stand, it's zero wind. I'll you know, give me the rain, give me the sleet, anything. Just don't give me a zero <laughs> zero one day. Yep. Uh, so kind of touching on some things you've kind of already said. Uh, yeah, some some people say they want to match match uh, what they're seeing with ducks as far as their decoy spread. Do you buy in, into that at all? Like if you're scouting out and you see like groups of like twenty, or if you see like you know smaller pods, or if you see like just a big raft of them, are you trying to match them at all or are you just always going big big spread 
We've had that conversation this year. I think typically we just go with what we've got. But this year there's been several times where we flush birds out. And like there was one, there's this one corner um, that we constantly were flushing green wing teal out of. And we went in there and set up three dozen mallards. And I'm thinking, how does this make sense? The only thing we've been flushing out is green wing teal. We've got a dozen green wing teal decoys. Wouldn't it make more sense just to set up that dozen green wing teal decoys? And lo and behold, those green wings flew back and they, they wouldn't land on us. I mean, green wings normally will land on mallards. But I think in situations like that where you're watching a place and you're seeing what's using it, I think it's way better to match what you're seeing in there. And that might be a situation where I would be four, you know, six to a dozen decoys. Or, yeah, I mean, if you're like, well, I'm, I'm matching what they're, they've been seeing the last few days, I can buy into that. Hmm. Yep, and then this kind of something you said earlier, um, which I've I've tried this. I'm not necessarily saying that it's good or it's bad, but I've been told this before in the past that uh, you want to mismatch what other hunters are doing if they're going big spreads. Then you go the half a dozen. Yeah. Um, and I've tried that. You know, it. I mean, I don't know if it worked any better or mm. not. But I don't buy that. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that I, I kind of agree with that. Just this year I've been going bigger spread, uh, you know, not as big as you because I don't have the capability of getting as many decoys out, but bigger than, mm-hmm. you know, trying to mismatch the hunters and going small. I think I did a, I did a lot of small spreads in the past, um, which, I mean, they work sometimes for sure uh, if you're on the X. But, you know, I think that it it's definitely a, a big benefit to have the larger spreads for the days where you're not on the X and the ducks are more wary. It's just so hard to judge. Like if you go a day where you're like, you know what? Everyone's using two or three dozen today. I'm going a half dozen and you have a successful day when you've specifically planned out trying this, then you're very tempted to be like, well, that's why, you know, when you have no idea what you would have done with five, six, you have no idea. It's. It, I talk about this a lot. It's like preconceived notions or dra- drawing conclusions with such a small sample size, and it's not even a small sample size. Which is with per- drawing, drawing conclusions with just your perception. With when our perceptions tend to be pretty emotional based, that I think that people really run into that problem. It's like, yep, sure enough, that happened today. So from now on, I'm gonna believe that. I remember. W- w- I remember one time there was a guy. Um, coming out of this marsh right at the same time we were. And he had shot a bunch of mallards and pintails. And I heard him saying, yep, to get the pintails, you just have to hunt those small pools outside outside of the big pools. The small pools is what they want. And he was, he was determining that right at that moment that that's the way to do it because of that successful day that he had. Well, how many years do you think that he's gone believing that because of that? Maybe he had one or two or three days like that. But I mean, how, how many how many samples with pintails would you need to make a scientific conclusion that pintails prefer small pools of water over big pools of water? Probably hundreds, and that's the problem yeah. because it's literally a lifetime to do that, especially with a bird yeah. like a pintail. Um, yeah, but guys just, do that all the time with everything. Yeah, and I mean, if and I, I do too. Under, I'm, I'm susceptible to it also. It's understandable with duck hunting though, because if you have a certain scenario. 
it's only going to happen, you know, three times a season where you have that exact scenario. And to be able to test it out, I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there. It's going to be a small amount of time, uh, depending on the the thing, you know, where you actually have the capability of pulling the mojo or something like that or mm-hmm. putting the mojo out. Um, it's just over the season, it's not that many, um, many times. Yeah. And if, yeah. if something could happen three times in a row – and even then, that's such a small sample size that it could just be mm-hmm. chance that it happened three times in a row. But, um, I mean, that's all you have to work off of. So what are you going to do? Well, I think as hunters, what you have to do is you have to say, on those three days, that that seemed to work. You just can't make it a fact in your mind, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, late season, you shouldn't use a spinner. Well, just the other day, I, I've been using late – today, late season – we had multiple mallards hovering right over the spinner, like on top of it for like mallard after mallard after mallard was just hovering on top of the spinner. Well, it's late season and that spinner was working like magic. And the, my hunt before that, I pulled the spinner. It didn't work. I put it back. It went so, but there are some guys that never take a spinner late season because they have made the decision that that's just the rule. That's just the law. That's just the truth. So, you know, like for the for the spinner thing, uh, twenty five to thirty times, maybe that's a little bit much. Fifth, somewhere between fifteen and thirty times, probably probably more in the twenties, we have tried to pull the spinner. Not one single time has that helped our success on that day. But we still continue to do it. We yeah. still continue <laughs> to pull the spinner. Well, the, it, it, so the, you the just problem with uh... <laughs> this is the truth. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing. The problem with days like that is if, you know, especially with that statistic in um in general, it's just like you're already having a rough day if you're pulling mm-hmm. the spinner. So you always do it on bad days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like the birds don't want to come in, they're not going to work, so it's really hard to say, you know. It, it'd be more interesting to see how it changed it on a day. I mean, no one's going to do this cuz if you're shooting ducks, don't change anything, but um, do they, on a day where you're having birds work in, do they work any better if you just pull the mojo out of there? Well, here, here's how here's how it worked for me to be able to tell. Okay, so um, Aiden left. He shot four by about eight thirty. Only only a couple only a couple of them were actually decoying. The rest were just kind of skirting, and he was taking some pass shooting because he had to gather. So I was there by myself, and I didn't want to take pass shots at thirty five. So all the ducks were coming. They were circling. They were passing about 35 and they were taking off and I wasn't shooting them. So I'm like, I can't get these things to land. I'm, I'm going to pull the spinner. So I pulled the spinner and uh, immediately they were no longer even coming within 35. They weren't even like looking at me. They went, I mean, and I, I pulled it for about 45 minutes, which I'm like, well, is that long enough of a time? I don't know. I, immediately though, they were not, the birds were no longer circling. So after 45 minutes, I put the spinner up. And within the next 20 minutes, I shot two ducks. But then after that, they were still skirting me again like they were without the spinner. So it's like, well, was that just luck? Um, It certainly seemed that the spinner was what caused them to come close. And without the spinner, they didn't. So even on like a bad day, you can still draw some conclusions by how they're acting. But what I think you can't do is say, see – Everything don't ever pull the spinner. The spinner always works. You just can't come to definite, definitive um, truths because because of your sample size. Yeah, 
And I, I would say for me, I'm convinced that just using the spinner is the way to start and then go from there. Yeah, me too. I, I'm convinced. I'm con- I'm convinced spinner on a day-to-day basis, spinner is better than no spinner. Yeah. yeah and just, if you're unsure, I, if you're uh, on the fence, I would say just go for the spinner and then you can figure it out from there. Yeah. I've seen too many ducks try to land right on top of a spinner late season, early season, every time of season. I've seen it happen too many times. <clears throat> yeah. So I kind we of was, uh, coming today and he was hovering over the spinner. I bet you it seemed like 10 seconds. He was over the pocket. We'd already <laughs> limited out. So we were just watching ducks and he's over top of the spinner. And then he like shifted five feet over one way, shifted five feet over there. He's looking around with his green head down. It was, it was pretty cool. You get it on but, camera or, no, because it was raining so hard oh, dang, that I had to put my cameras up. There were so many awesome video opportunities I had after we were limited out. But my cameras were getting a little wet, and they couldn't focus through the rain mm. either. But I, we had we just sat there. I don't know how many limits you could have shot today. Uh, possibly. I don't know. I can't even. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> unlimited is how it felt. <laughs> nice. So that's a good segue kind of into our next topic, which we've been already talking about, touching on it, is motion in your set, Um, you know, and the tried and the true, you know, mojo, lucky duck type spinner wing decoys are just honestly at this point, they're a staple of duck hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're not, if you don't have one, I mean, go buy one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When when they first came on the scene, I was – I'm trying to think what year that was when uh, around mid nineties was when I first was when the transition came where people were starting to use them. And I did not want to get one. I didn't want to pay for one. I didn't want to mess with one. And I was out hunting on public land and I walked over and I flushed a bunch of ducks out of this little patch of corn. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to shoot them here. I mean, I'm going to pound them. I'll shoot them. And I set up and nothing would come to me. And I was just blown away as to why nothing would come to me. And I looked over and there was a spinner mm. and they were just sucking right to it. And that was the day was like, I can't compete when they first came on, man. It was like, we, you couldn't compete without them. Yeah. I don't think they're as effective as they were then. Um, I don't think, I don't know, but you couldn't compete without one at that time in the mid nineties. Mm. Yeah. I know, especially wood ducks and teal just love, love the the mojos and i mean same with mallards it's, i don't think it it they don't go <clears throat> just hard into it like they do with till and wood ducks all the time i've never seen a day where they don't like it mallards you know you have those days where they're not going to work into your set it seems like for whatever yeah. reason um but yeah definitely uh a go-to for the duck spread now uh, now is your spinner um do you have a remote for it I do actually. That kind of brings up an interesting topic. So my, I got the baby, the baby mojo pack. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was it, it, between the off season of two years ago and three years ago, um, and or three seasons and two seasons, and uh, the hen stopped working, and then now uh, the Drake stopped working in that, and um, I didn't know why it wasn't working. Um, so I actually took it apart and took the remote part off of it and rewired it and all that kind of stuff and it's working again. Um, but that kind of brings up an interesting topic, man. I, I think people in general just go through the mojos pretty quickly. 
I'm not yeah. sure. Um, yeah. It's like waders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but have you tried the waterproof ones? No, you know, ours, we have good luck with them falling in the water and them continuing to work. This one we have is actually on its third year. Hmm. It's gone a long time. Oh, wow. But no, I didn't, I didn't realize there was waterproof ones. Yeah, their newest ones are waterproof. And I, I think maybe Lucky Ducks kind of hit the same time. Have hmm. you ever used a Lucky Duck? Uh, Corn's got one, and I like it. Yeah, they look nice. The, they always have the other ones. The new Mojos look pretty similar. They, you know, kind of upped their game as far as what it looks like and color and all that kind of stuff. And they're waterproof, completely waterproof. So they're expensive. Well, and have they upped as well? Um, I think they are at the same price as they used to be, but the other ones are cheaper now. Okay. Yeah, I would really like to get one with a remote because the other day it seemed very much like what the Ducks were doing is they were coming in and they would come right to the spinner, but then they would flare off of it. It mm. seemed like right as soon as they got – I would. I've never had one with a remote. And – I would love to have one where you just get their attention because I've heard you get their attention then turn it off. That can be really Yeah, I've heard that as well. I would like to try that. I've never actually used my remote um, as far as just turning it on at the beginning of the day and that's it. (laughs) Well, you can get those ones that go on and off. Like they spin and they're like on a timer. On a timer? I think that's Lucky Duck that does that. I would prefer to have that because I don't want to have another thing because you know I'll lose that remote so fast. (laughs) I will. Yeah, well, you just put it on your lanyard. You've never lost your lanyard, right? Mm, I've lost one. Mm. Not my current one. <laughs> but it, it was years ago that I, I... It's been years. I'm pretty good about not losing my lanyard. So other uh, other types of motion um, that I know we've both been playing with this year, kind of the Rippler, um, you know, feeder, frenzy-type um, decoys. Mm. I like the feeder frenzy way better than the Rippler. I, do, I don't like how the Rippler gives out such a uniform. I, don't, I mean, I'll use it. It's better than, than no motion on the water. and Maybe the ducks can't figure it out, but it just looks such like a uniform pattern. It looks so unnatural. Mm-hmm. But I do have one and use it. How much have you used the White Rock? Um, I've used it you know, here or there. I haven't used it a ton as well. I would love to use that thing, but I, I either didn't come with a remote when I got it, or more likely it was in the box. I didn't see it and threw it away. <laughs> just rewire it. Yeah, you could just rewire um, it. I, to... think, I, I love that. I would love that type of thing. Yeah. And we had the feeder, not the feeder frenzy, but like the um, splashing wing decoys where their their wings flap, but then they hit in the water. Yeah, I like those I like as those. well. They're a pain to... to um, um, travel with i don't know the word i'm blanking on the word i look for yeah to carry yeah hold on there they're awkward yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i like those as well um but yeah it doesn't really in my opinion it doesn't really matter um as far as well i'm sure it does but i think it's pretty small of a difference on what type of motion decoy you get for your set but you definitely need especially on the non-windy day something to make it not look uh, like water and then you know kind of the the old staple that everybody kind of goes to which I know you and me both uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is for have have struggles with the jerk rig loathe, <laughs> loathe? Yeah. is that the right word sure that might be <laughs> your word for it 
Here's the reasons why I loathe the jerker. First of all, I think that it's overrated. I know that it's a good tool. I've got one. I have, I've had two, but then we had to throw one in the trash because <laughs> Izzy and Chief, within the five, same five minutes, got totally tangled in that thing, yeah. both of them. And then I got tangled in it. That was, <laughs> I was like, but dogs get tangled in those things. They're a pain in the butt to set up. If you want to, if you want to move, like, oh man, we need to be two hundred yards over this direction. They're a super big time pain to to move places. I just detest them. And people on YouTube comments talk about um, jerk rigs like they're just magic. And I can tell you, I have hunted no wind days with and without jerk rigs, and I don't see much difference. I think I think no wind days suck, whether you have a jerk rig or not. Mm. Yeah, but we're gonna find out soon because on on freelance hunt stats, I'm going to have a section by next year where you can log in what type of motion you're using. So at by the, at the end of next year, we will have some some true data about motion. Yeah, I'm... yeah, it'll be good to know. I I definitely think you do need some type of motion. Um, if you don't have the others, then I'd go with the jerker. But yeah, it's just like you said, Chief got tangled in it. Um. You know, I had one run in today, and it was just getting t- tangled in my blind, all the brush yeah. that's in the stubble. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's just a hassle. And like, if I can be hands free, you know, one hand for calling, uh, you know, your, your other hand on your your gun, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you don't have another hand really, so you really need another person, or I don't know, to be pretty quick off the the trigger to jump up there and drop everything when the birds come in. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I mean, yeah, they work, but I, I can't see them working any better than any of the robo, um, rippler type decoys. Well, I would, the only thing I would say about it is like when we put seven ducks on there, you're going to get way more splash effect from a seven duck jerk rig than you are a rippler way more. Yeah, that's true. But they are a pain in the butt. We had to cut that one all up. I just threw it away. I was gonna do an Instagram story of me throwing it in the trash, but my phone <laughs> my phone was dead at the time. <laughs> nice. I was being like double tap if you hate jerk rigs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next category: um, forms or different types of different types of spreads. Um, you want to jump into this one? Yeah, and in, in the past we've used a ton of just traditional J's and U's and and that type of thing. I'm trying to more and more just go with kind of a hole in the because I know I was in a bad habit of you know a, a duck every two feet. You know, like when you look at the decoy spreads, it's like oh, all the ducks are like perfectly spaced <laughs> between each other. It's hard for some reason. It's hard for me not to do that. So I'm trying to go like, okay, three or four over here kind of together, three or four over there to kind of together, a few way off on the fringes with maybe a J or information, but more anything, just a hole in the middle and to try to make like ducks in a spot other than like, you know, air. I, I do like J's on like a shoreline where the ducks are going to be coming into the wind. I think they're really, really effective when ducks are coming up a shoreline and you hit that J with the spinner in it. I, I I find that to be super effective. But just like in a marsh or something like that, then 
um, don't normally worry about J's or U's really. Yeah, I'll say one thing I liked when uh, I came out there to Kansas is the the two pod system you, mm-hmm. um, that you use. It seemed you know the ones that finished, which you know I was surprised. We used the big spread, um, very wide as far as you know from one end to the other. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking, uh, I mean, at least 70 yards, if not further. Eh, maybe mm-hmm. not. It, maybe it was about 70. Um, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and you left a hole in the middle with our spinners. So it was two different, two separate groups groups right there. And mm-hmm. the ones that finished, you know, we didn't have the greatest hunt there. Just, you know. But the ones that finished came right to that spot. So yeah. um, I've never tried the two-pod before that. Um, definitely something I'm going to add to my arsenal. And you know what I've been liking, like liking more about, like we did that day, is that the two pods were kind of in a way like Jays, to where you how we had them lining along the shoreline, and then and then kind of out to where it made that little hole. Um, I kind I kind of like that. We had another day where, and this works well when you have to sit with a wrong wind direction. So there's some days that you just can't get avoid it for whatever reason, sitting with the wind like in your face. And if you use the two pods where they have that whole runway in the middle, a lot of times that, well, a few times that we've done it, they will actually come in right in front of you and then turn into the wind right in front of you. And you can shoot them right on that turn as they're going in between those two pods. We had a ton of success with that on a big lake a couple years ago. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I've you know I've tried the U's and the J's, and um, you know one I haven't really tried a lot, but I've thought about you know something that you know kind of going back to what we saw like matching the ducks or talked about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen a, a few times where it just looks like there's just a big old ball uh, of you know mallards kind of grouped together, mm-hmm. uh, but never I've never made a spread that looked like that where it's just like a mass, you yeah. know, and it's kind of more full in the middle and just spreads out from there um you know somewhat evenly mm-hmm. i think on cold weather they may maybe they do that more on cold weather. i know that my brand friend brandon um that was stationed here in the military but he's from wisconsin um hunts right up there where the white rock guys hunt he was hunting with my dad when he was stationed here and my dad was like yeah he did this and i've never really seen him do this decoy spread where it was cold, real cold out and he was bunching ducks up really tight in tight little wads. And he was saying that it's better to do that on really, really cold days. And I've never really done it either, but interesting setup that you don't hear much about. And I know Brandon uses it. Mm, yeah, I think uh, kind of recalling back on the times I've seen ducks like that, it was when most things froze up um, mm-hmm. and they're in big like drainage ditches like that. So. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. definitely interesting. I mean, they even swim all around like that together, the ducks. So, you know, something to keep in mind. Maybe try on a colder day. I don't know if mm-hmm. it'll work or not. Um, but yeah, for sure. What else we got? Uh, Neps- circle, circle is another thing too. Just a, like a donut. Okay, have you tried that? Uh, not, not a whole lot. For some reason, I just hate having it closed in i've seen other guys use it <laughs> i always think of it like a runway i know it's not like that but i i struggle to 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 pull that off to do that i'm always afraid that they'll land like in front of like the donut but yeah i've seen guys use it hmm. i've never tried that one never seen it either mm-hmm. uh next topic we got is different species um of decoys 
we just match whatever's in the area. Like right now, we're using 100% mallards because mm-hmm. um, that, that's all we're basically all we're seeing. But we just match the migration as best we can. We've got some pintail decoys. We've got a few widgeon decoys. We've got teal, blue wing, and green wing. So we we just try to match it as best we can. Hmm. Whatever's in the area. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that, and probably not a bad idea. Um, but I, I actually don't own other species besides mallards. <laughs> well, it's one benefit of having a, a dad that hunts as much as you do with a little more money that he's acquired a lot more stuff. So when I say we, when I when I say when I say we have, you can pretty much be be rest assured that it's out of phone <laughs> <in his> pocket. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> not every time, but. <laughs> He he's kind of the man when it comes to acquiring stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people say you know for wood ducks it's good to have wood duck decoys. Um, so maybe something I'll invest in in the future. But right now, you know, just mojos and mallards seem to work pretty well. And yeah, I mean, even the white rock walk, the white rock ones we use are magnums, so they're not very similar to size of a mallard at all, mm-hmm. or not a mallard, a wood duck. Yeah, if I was lived up there where you, where you got all those wood ducks, I would definitely use wood duck decoys. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, maybe. You know, you can definitely pack more in there. I'm not sure. You know, that's another thing. You don't need a big spread for wood ducks because it's not like they're a big grouped-up type bird anyway. Yeah. Frustrating little suckers. Who knows? Maybe uh, that would increase my success. I mean, I have decent success as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've never actually tried a big spread for wood decks. That'd be interesting now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know. My, my experience with wood ducks is they could care less about mallard decoys. Mm. You've tried a mojo. Yeah. I can't believe you have so much trouble with wood ducks. Yeah. Well, we don't see them that much. I mean, they're, it's weird cause they, they, they're, they're the biggest nester in this area uh, in in Kansas of you get a few blue wings and a few mallards but quite a few wood ducks it's the only duck you'll see off season pretty much hmm. and they're here for the first couple weeks but i mean you know you'll get one decoy here and there like Aiden and Aiden and I had one come in on us this year but i mean if you don't shoot them those first few weeks and even then when you see them it's like they typically just know where they want to go and they go there i don't even, i don't even call at them i, I just go oh, there's a wood duck <laughs> They're annoying to me. <laughs> They're beautiful. They're just annoying. They taste great too. Do they? I haven't eaten enough to. Yeah. One way or another. Um, I can't remember where I saw the pool, but uh, it was like it might have been the top as far as people voted for best tasting duck. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much covers the species. Uh, we could add in, you know, goose decoys. I know a lot of people say uh ducks really love goose decoys and i i can um confirm that we've definitely had uh ducks land in our goose sets plenty of times mm-hmm. i was going to tell you about what happened with my light saw headlamp oh yeah i'm really frustrated so i'll probably go into more detail than this on our on our actual hunt podcast but we were setting up um we were in knee deep water and there was no dry land around anywhere and there was this little thicket that that we were hiding in and there's a little muskrat what's it called muskrat den muskrat hut whatever. i think hut, hut hutch whatever i think it's a hut and i was like oh man i think izzy can sit right on that and sure enough she crawled right onto this thing and it was just perfect and um but we didn't have any place to put our stuff anywhere so i had my light saw headlamp which is an 800 lumens just 
torch of a headlamp. Um, if you want to check them out, you can go to lightsall.com, L-I-T-E-Z-A-L-L. Um, we, they're actually a, a sponsor of the podcast and um, Freelance 10, <laughs> Freelance 10, Duck Gun 10, right? <laughs> no. Every single <laughs> no. week. Duck Hunt 10, Duck Hunt 10. You're just going to leave every that to week. me. Every <laughs> week. Every week. It has been every week. Okay, you can get it, and it's it's full. These things only these things should be more. Than, I feel like they should be more than thirty five dollars. So anyway, um, Izzy's sitting on this um, muskrat den, and I needed some place to put my head. And I'm like, oh, that looks like solid ground. So I throw it over beside Izzy on this little muskrat den, and over the course of the hunt, Izzy just kept retrieving and coming back, and and eventually she was stomping around on this muskrat thing enough that she just buried that lights all headlamp. In like two feet of water for like three hours mm. and i pulled it out and it actually still worked um and then but it was a little dim so i got home changed the batteries and it kind of stopped working but so i'm like i'm just gonna take this apart and let it dry out so i i went and grabbed the headlamp that i had been using before um lights all just like a little walmart thing and oh i feel like i am blind in the woods <laughs> it is so annoying i'm gonna i'm gonna get in i've got to get one of those i mean it's just like i can't see so now i've got to carry so now i'm carrying the lights all um like tactical Lantern? flashlight oh the, the tactical flashlight in my pocket which is a big flashlight because i just feel just completely blind so these things are water resistant but you can't submerse them for three hours <laughs> it's not a, yeah so but it just brought back to me how great that product is. Yeah, definitely a, a great waterfowl headlamp for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So lightsall.com, L-I-T-E-Z-A-L-L. -L. All right, next topic we got. Um, goose decoys. Uh, how do you like to run goose decoys? I have so little. I have so little goose hunting experience the only time that we've done it is on the rivers on ice and we've haven't hardly had any decoys there now we've got all these white rock um goose decoys now and i've used them out on corn's pond and we've got silhouettes and um socks and so i've corn's been the one that has been scouting these and he's kind of told me okay here's what the geese are doing here's where they are and we just kind of match them up on the bank as to what where he's telling me they are and they look great um well, those white rock decoys look good but as far as like field setups i just don't have any experience to to i know i know aiden kind of when he does when he does a snow geese he likes to set it up in an x but i just don't have any field goose experience to even comment on how to set them up mm. yeah i don't have a ton as well um i know for field setups it seems like big spreads are definitely the way to go you never see yeah. you never see anyone do the half half dozen <laughs> goose yeah. uh decoys for a field spread um so maybe that says something about the water technique as well but um yeah obviously you have the the different categories socks and silhouettes which we've both been using that a little bit more this year um I'm hitting the river Sunday and so um, we're going to do the Kansas River Sunday. It's going to be freezing. I'm taking all of my white rock out there. I'm really, really excited and to to go and use those. So hope, fingers crossed, we can really get into some geese and, and some ducks using those white rocks. So Nice. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing how that turns out for you. 
Yeah, I'm, I just need to. I'm, I'm scared. I can't find anyone else to go with me because, like, I'm not going to run the river by myself. Um, well, we, and we're gonna we're gonna put on like a day at daybreak, but and I have I've yet to secure a person to go with me, so <clears throat> I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'll drive out there. you're welcome this is a long way for a (laughs) one hunt two week old information yeah oh i'm sure there's more ducks there than there are here ducks and geese yeah there's plenty we got our christmas on saturday so i won't be doing well yeah i'll be doing some hunting in the morning with family Mm -hmm. cool but yeah uh back to the decoys um yeah so i guess the last category we wanted to hit up is weather and wind we kind of mentioned this but um you know what are your what is your exact technique that you use for the wind or windless days well like i said when we talked about before we are attempting to go koi spreads in the wind with maximum water movement so that because essentially what happens is when ducks are in the water they like if you watch the video where the swimmers video when you were here in kansas mm-hmm you see those three little um, divers swim through the decoys. And the amount of ripple just those three little ducks were making is phenomenal. So if you think of like what two to four dozen ducks, the amount of like splashing and wakes and ripples that that that, that amount of ducks make has to be phenomenal from, you know, as, as a duck's approaching. So our goal is to get every single duck decoy to be under ripple of some kind as much as possible without the wind. So maybe like three jerk rigs and you could still use a, a big spread. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. No, <laughs> no. Have you ever seen one with seven? Have you ever seen those like uh TV or YouTube episodes of like Higdon outdoors mm-hmm. at their actual facility? And it's like, just like a hundred yes. robo ducks. <laughs> Yeah. Talk you about motion in your set. <laughs> you could not pay me to go and hunt at a place like that. You couldn't. Well, I imagine there'd be a price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I see that and I'm like, I'm going hunting in nature. I'm not going to an amusement park. Yeah, it is a. It definitely is a circus. Yeah, I think I they, don't. I think they're just it. trying to show off all the motion, but um, yeah. <laughs> you don't think they actually hunt that? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure they do, but I, I doubt that they actually hunt like that outside of their facility because that's their – when they show you those kind of videos, that's actually oh, sure. their Higdon facility, you know, private lease that they have yeah, set up, yeah. you know, sure. all the time. I'm sure if they go out individually, they don't – I mean, you just wouldn't have enough time to set up all those decoys and all those motion yeah. decoys. And I think I actually commented on that video on Facebook, and my comment was – there's a point in which the um, atmosphere of your environment is more important than the number of ducks that you bag. And that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that for sure. That's, that's to each his own. To each yeah. his own. There's, I mean, nothing wrong with it. I just won't, don't want any part of anything like that. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much sums up the decoys. <laughs> you got anything yeah. else you want to add on that? I don't think so. I think we I think we hit it pretty well. All right. That sounds good. All right, fellas. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Couldn't do without you. We really appreciate you. Um, Once again, Merry Christmas to all you guys. Uh, Happy New Year. Hope you guys are having great success 
on your hunting season, uh, make sure to drop a review over on um, iTunes. Helps us out a ton. Um, we, we really would appreciate it. And also, you know, make sure to check out uh, us on YouTube, Freelance Duck Hunting and Duck Hunt Chronicles, where you can see our hunts. Um, but that's all we got for this week. I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys next time.